we've struggled a little bit at the end of the season in the front row and our depth chart was just getting a little bit thin. Now it's got an awful lot thinner. Ironically, might have a weaker sub bench on the front row than a Leinster would have. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five. This is a kind of a belated panel uh, looking ahead to the hurling semi-finals. Concentrate on hurling between now and four. Kilkenny and Clare contesting the first semi-final at Croke Park at half five. That match followed tomorrow by Limerick against Galway at half three. Joining me in studio to look ahead, uh, Clare's Colin Ryan, the All-Ireland winner back in 2013 and the former league and Leinster title winner with Dublin and also ex-Tipperary hurler Ryan O'Dwyer. Colin and Ryan how's the form lads yeah all good so far we were chatting away out there so looking forward to two games now the weekend yeah definitely I think um, I was saying it's been a long time since I've been to Crow Park I missed Clare's last uh, stint there in 2018 so I think there's, there's a great old vibe around the place and then obviously I think the weekend kind of works you know the two semi-finals Saturday and Sunday there's yeah, a great vibe yeah, around the place definitely. and stuff like that and builds up a, a, a right good weekend to talk about you were telling us you had an unusual way of uh, getting to Croke Park well not to Croke Park but to Dublin today yeah, I was just saying, I got into the car today and mum and dad were going up and, and my brother, but I don't think we've ever been in the car to Crow Park together, which is quite strange. Not in but, the 90s, no? Uh, no, I think in 97, I think I went, uh, brother didn't, um, and 95, we didn't go. So, like, it's it's been a strange, uh, and then 2002, I think I went up myself. So, uh, it was a strange vibe. My my little nephew, he's, uh, he's six or nearly six, was up with us. So, uh, it's a strange atmosphere, but we're looking forward to it. We also have in the line Tom Condon, a former All-Ireland winner with Limerick. Tom, how's the form? Good, no, thank you. Tom, are you coming up tomorrow? Yeah, I'm heading up in the morning now with uh, my son and a couple of lads. So, yeah, as Colin says, like, it is uh, just strange being at this side of the, the fence. Like, you're, you're, you're so used to being in a bubble and just getting to the pitch, you don't have to worry about getting up there or where you're going to park and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's something different and something still getting used to. Is it enjoyable, Tom? Are you more nervous as a spectator or...? Uh, yeah, I suppose you, you just don't have uh, the anticipation of coming on anymore. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you you, st- you still do be kind of nervous for the lads and stuff like that. But uh, you, look, you can enjoy it more and you can say you just don't have that gut feeling in case you're uh, beckoned at any stage to come down to the sideline. So, yeah, look, just still adapting. Were you at the Munster final, Tom? I was, yeah. Magical yeah. day, wasn't it? Magical. Ah, oh, it was, look, it was, a, it was a super game, like, and... Like credit to both sides, they just went at it hammer and tongs. Like, and you look, can't ask for any more. And look, the referee as well, he contributed to such a spectacle. Like, Joe, and look, they gave everything, and it was just lucky enough that we came out on the right side of it. It could have gone anywhere. I was kind of moaning, Ryan, that uh, maybe hurling there's too many scores and the ball's maybe traveling too far and all that kind of thing. And being a hurler in the ditch, uh, making these kind of comments. And then I went to the Munster final, and then you realize how little time it takes for these players now in 2022 to get the ball over the bar just seconds they, they, they might they say they might have like 15 to 20 seconds in a whole game for seven points or like that do you feel the standard is as good as ever I, I think every year the standard is getting better um, I think that if you look back look at uh, reading in the years or something it was get the ball and hit it um, and then you know, it might be a tussle to win a ball now it's it's basically it, it has to be driven to the hand as quick as possible and then move the ball on from there um, your touch has to be outstanding uh, to play at the top level and I, I think that's my opinion I think every year it's getting better and better and the speed the strength and the, the, the size of the lads it's just getting I, I, I don't know where the, the end line is right because nine years ago you were both involved in semi-finals even from then to now you'd change yeah, yeah I, I think it has I think the well the, the game has changed um, how? 
it, it, it's nearly about possession now um, it's working the ball up the pitch if the opposition don't have the ball well, they can't score so we're going to keep the ball as much as we can it's kind of bringing a football element into it but just with more pace it's getting the ball into a scoring position and very very rarely like look we'll say Brian Lawn, the the image I always had of Brian Lawn's red helmet busting out from the full back line out to the left side or to the right side and launching it as far and as be, and the can. crowd would go mad it'd be almost oh, like a point yeah, oh yeah yeah. it lifts the crowd lifts everything if you're standing outside the stadium you'd think there's a score but that has gone out of now very very rarely you'll see someone just launch the ball it's heads up hurling and it's picking out a man the whole time um, whether it is a hand pass given and going again and that's the football element being brought into it or, el- or else maybe a 30, 40, 50 yard strike or else if you're if you if you work it up maybe to the half to the midfield then it's delivered into the corners um Sean Flynn uh did an article on the 42 there uh, a couple of months ago uh where he did the the way the structure of the game the way it is now and poke outs and the the area of the pitch where it's been delivered from and it's nearly every team is getting it up to a platform and then delivering it in and that's the way it's been played now it's nearly working it out Barry Natch is a sweeper type yeah yeah and it's working it out to a certain area of the pitch and then delivering it because if you were, if you if you strike from further back they, it breaks down more in their half or you nearly want to to bypass the, the opposition half back line Um but yeah, look, we're getting into a lot there now. But I, I think the game has changed the, the last eight, nine years. It's just, it, it's it's unrecognisable from what it is, what it used to be. The buzz in Clare, you know, even the, the defeat in the Munster final, there was a huge pride in that. And and it's almost in the image of Ryan Lowe and the honesty, the the endeavour. And there's a, a feel-good factor about Clare this year. Yeah, that's, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's like, if there was ever a team that, you know an image of their manager it, it's it's this clear team like you know what did everybody remember Brian for like not taking a step back you know being intense you know giving everything every day he went out and I think this year they've done that you know in every game and even in the Wexford game when things weren't going well and I suppose it should, they'd come off the, the, the low of losing the Munster final and just trying to figure you know that Wexford team out you know I thought it was kind of a, a frustrating game in terms of how they were going to figure them out Wexford set up in a way that Wexford normally they do set up they kind of knew that they couldn't go 15 against 15 against them so I think when they figured that out and they, and they worked that out the intensity came back and the crowd is just behind them you know massively like I, I haven't seen like I suppose 2013 was the last time when I felt you know there was a crowd behind the team but that's what Clare do if you give them honesty if, if you go out every day and perform and try your best the Clare supporters will get behind you and it's no different to this team but it's it's phenomenal to see on the other side now you know um, like uh, and Are you going to be nervous today? Yeah do you know what it's kind of frustrating I think when, you, when, when you're watching it as a supporter having been in it so long uh, you kind of see things maybe that the regular Joe so mightn't see it what, what, like what uh, just like you'd be watching things tactically and, right. and and how they're setting up and, and maybe thinking about how, how you could change that but it frustrates you more because you can't actually do anything about it you know <laughs> so like it's, you'd nearly want to be wired down to them to actually tell them something you know yeah, and it's, I'd agree with that when you're a player you just show up and you do what the manager tells you or you, you play whatever strategy he wants to play but when you're when you're away from it and sitting in the stand or, or watching on the telly, you're you're nearly looking at right where's the movement going, where's the pattern of play. You're nearly assessing the game more when you 
would say after your, you, you, you play um, more than when you actually are a player yeah it was, I was doing co-commentary for, um, for the, the Munster uh, minor final uh, Clare and Tip and uh, Tip of the man sent off and like I was up in the gantry and I could see what was going on and it was killing me to not go down like to Bach and just tell him you know in his ear you know this is what I can see or you know something like that but that's listen you know I credit to anybody who gets involved in it like because the scrutiny is there you know there's nobody scrutinising my decisions um, but I do find it hard I suppose when you've been in there uh, you nearly need to internalise it rather than say it to somebody you know because it just frustrates you but it's very enjoyable and I look forward to it and it's never anything like I've way less stress you know, you know like you arrive into games and you're, you kind of get to enjoy the atmosphere and the build up and you're meeting people and, and chatting to them whereas obviously if you're playing or you're involved you're, you're so focused on, uh, on what's going on and, and, and maybe just making sure that you perform to your best These are your friends do you leave them alone? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do, I do. I like, I suppose I'm probably quite close to John Conlon and Tony, Shane O'Donnell. Um, still, you know, I'd be in contact with him throughout the year and stuff like that. But yeah, like I don't, I um, I might have a debrief with John on a, a Monday morning of a game. You know, he'd be asking me my opinion and stuff like that. But I would never really go too depth into it and before the week it's literally a best of luck on a Wednesday you know and that's kind of it like I don't really <laughs> say too much about it but um, it is a, you know it's not my place really to be telling him sure. Brian, is, Brian is filling him in you know Tom are you still close to the lads I'm sure you are yeah look it's same as what Colin was saying there you kind of try and keep your distance a small bit uh, coming up to the games you don't want to be saying too much to them or not that they'd tell you anyway like, but um, yeah look I'd be fairly good friends with Declan and Nicky and Graham a few of the older lads like and um, yeah look you, you just have to kind of send them an all good look text and stuff like that and leave it at that and you might see him then after the game a day or two after that or you might meet him in the street for a coffee or something like that but uh, it's it's look it is hard as you say everyone becomes experts when they go into the stand and stuff like that and as Colin was saying there it's hard to kind of keep it yourself when you can see yourself what's going on yeah. on the pitch and you have attempted to send John Kiley in all text there and tell him something is going on <laughs> down the field or whatever like but uh, yeah look it's, it's Kylie it's, you've it's, lost it you've lost it Kylie yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever about sending a text, text but, uh, to Kylie I don't it, know if you'd send a text to Lohan but yeah look as you say you're, 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 you see things from a different perspective like you see things that as, as it was Boys are saying like that the normal person wouldn't see and so you're you're analysing everything. I suppose it's just you've been so caught up in it over the last couple of years that you see this and you would see something different whereas the normal normal supporter might just see as say full back coming out with the ball and launching it, whereas um we'd be seeing like to you know where the pass could go or where is the next ball going or how they're setting up, how they're joy if one of the lads are, is working back to field like chase, chasing back a lost cause like them small little things like that's what the lads look for and they, they, they're the small wins that they class like if they see a corner forward or a half forward chasing a lost cause like 40 yards and it, it could result in a turnover like which could be massive it could result in a score like so these are all the small things that the normal supporter probably doesn't see that we would see like up in the, the stand I was thinking four years ago, it was still 45 years since Limerick won the All-Ireland, uh, Tom, and now it's three in four years. And um, I'm sure it's given the whole county a huge lift in terms of the young people having new heroes that they can identify with and, and everybody in the county must be buzzing o- over this success story. Yeah, look, it, it was just, as you say, so long and it, they were just craving something. And look, we got, I suppose we got something in 2013 when, when we won the Munster and stuff like that. Then look, 
we, we, we didn't go, drive on that year. We thought maybe this finally could be our year, but look, Claire caught us in, in, in semi-final and deservedly so. Like, but as I say, 2018, it is just it's just taking the monkey off our shoulder like that. We could never get over the line and stuff like that. And I think if we hadn't gotten over the line in 2018, it might have set us back another bit. But thankfully, the momentum has just kept going and going. And as you say, like every young fella in the county had a hurley last couple of years like you see him when you're driving the, back the road driving the train and in around Limerick City and stuff especially like and even clubs that were mainly football back west and stuff like that they've, they've started up uh, underage hurling clubs and stuff like that which is which is brilliant like and they're investing in the youth going forward like and um, look it's been massive lift and as I say this bunch of hurlers they all are not into Limerick like even if they didn't win another Aller and no hopefully that doesn't happen but like they were not and like they, what they have done for this country is unbelievable and has that changed the even the way uh, sport is approached in Limerick because we all know that Limerick is a huge rugby um, enclave especially in the city and soccer's also always been big in Limerick so has there been a change in landscape in terms of young people playing sport oh I, I'd say definitely like and especially with the success that Munster Rugby had there going back 10 years ago and up along like that it, it has the wheel has turned like and it is GA that is it, it has taken over in around the city and stuff like that so I say I suppose look I, I probably notice it more myself because being a hurler and stuff like that but it, it, the interest from the youth now is just crazy and it just it's amazing what, what a bit of success can do like and it ju- just drives up the, the county forward the Dubs had that, didn't they, for a while, Ryan, when you won the Leinster and you won the league? and Yeah, certainly. 2011, more so than 2014 or 2013. Um, 2011, after we won the league, she's like, I was living in Tala at the time, and like every young lad had uh, a hurley there. It was just, it was phenomenal to see. Um, in an area that would be known for soccer, um, it was just, it was great to see. And then you'd be going to, to clubs and going to summer camps and all that. And just the, the buzz and the interest that was there was, was phenomenal. And in areas that traditionally wouldn't have been, uh, it was great. And like I, I was in college down in, in Limerick, I was in UL. And Limerick is a great sports city. Um, regardless of the sport I know hurling is taking uh, priority at the, the moment but like when I was there that's when Munster were winning the Heineken Cup and it was there was such a buzz around um, and the same like it was just uh, the whole time and it, depending on what time of the year if the Olympics was on or something you just see everyone was just uh, if Wimbledon was on everyone was playing tennis at that time it was just it was phenomenal to see so Limerick are, they're a very proud uh, county and they, they'll they're very good at getting behind the team no matter what it is whether it is rugby or hurling or you saw the footballers there this year they they had a good run You're still loving the game you're being up and helping out with Dan and you're playing with Cashelon Yeah well uh, yeah I'm playing uh, we're moving to, to Galway so I'm actually uh, playing up there now um, getting help uh, getting a job so I said I may throw my lot in with uh, all the medals. four provinces you've been around so yeah yeah well I, I get around I get around <laughs> uh, well travelled within within the country anyway, I'm well travelled um, but yeah looking forward to the year ahead now make a lot of friends and I'm sure I'll make a few enemies along the way no enemies <laughs> no enemies uh, no, no enemies um, Tony Kelly this this phenomenon uh, that, that point like just that, to me that's the moment of the year so far 
um, and maybe today now we'll see a few more Uncle Kenny will have a, obviously oh, a few answers ho- to that hopefully so hopefully so yeah like I think um, you know definitely the, the best hurler I've ever played with anyway um, by a country mile um, but I think what people don't really get you only get a, a, a snippet of it but it's how humble he is you know how yeah, how yeah. he's not he's not like he doesn't want the limelight he doesn't want to feel like he's the best he goes off there and hooks you know uh, Geroad Hegarty you know just for the team you know that wasn't he didn't see that score in his head when he made that hook you know he saw I'm working for the team I'm doing a job for the team and people don't get his work ethic you know or, or they don't fully appreciate it maybe you know because of his, his his scores are just so unbelievable like he has such variety in his game um, you know you could, you could give him any ball and like he, he's he's variety in his scores in the Munster final were just phenomenal. Like from from his own sixty five to running into thirty yards out mm. from the sideline to right side, left side, you know, on the run, standing up. Like it just he just has it all and like I just feel like you know, it's a pleasure to have played with him. But he's humble like if I asked Tony to do something in the morning for me for for an underage team in the market, Tony be there. Like last week, he's like that was my primary school. Like he was with all the kids that would think that were kids. Like yeah, and like he has no connection to that primary school. Like you know, apart from somebody asking him the question, you know, and that was my you know that was my old alma mater. Like you know, and to see that in the kids, they that will live long in their memory. You know, of Tony Kelly coming in and and giving them medals and stuff like that, and that's the type of fella he is. And you know, I just wish him every success. I hope like Crow Park is his playground, and hopefully uh, he has another one tonight. And uh, we'll we'll worry about who gets there then after that. You, well, that's, go on. You know, saying you hit the nail on the head there. He's he's so grounded, yeah. like he's so humble. Um, I know him. I've met him a few times now, and he's just he's such a nice guy if you meet him on the street not a hope would you say apart from people coming over wanting a picture with him not a hope would you say oh he's somebody or he's well known or anything like that he's just he's, he keeps his feet on the ground and I think that that's what makes him better I think he, he's a horrors like him only come along once every 10, 15, 20 years like they, there's not many of them around and you can see the contribution that he's making to Clare there's would you say that he's Clare's best hurler ever? Well, yeah, yeah, it'd be hard to argue, hard to argue against it. I think you know you could probably name a couple of players of iconic nature like a Brian Lohan and Shawnee McMahon, but Tony has everything. Well, Shawnee Mac was, you know, yeah. Tony, Tony has everything. Yeah. How, how many times in a hundred would you get that sideline? Like, would you? Uh, you know. I I was actually I was actually at a wedding. Would you believe it was a friend of mine getting married, and everybody was like, "Oh no, keep it in play, keep it in play." And I just went, "No," I was like, "It's Tony Kelly. He can do. It. If Tony Kelly feels like he's going to score this." let Tony hit it because I can guarantee you what's going through Tony's head at that moment in time is what's best for the team you know and if he felt like that he wasn't going well or couldn't hit it or you know was something like that he would have kept that ball in play but like and not to be biased by the way Tom is listening Keane Lynch is the exact same Keane Lynch is so humble and you know I've met him a couple of times and it's fantastic to have role models like them for you know my kids you know and and kids in school and stuff like that that they're just so grounded so humble but yet they're the best hurlers in their generation it's important that we've had a, obviously negative headlines over the row last week between our man Galway and the Taoiseach getting involved and all that and uh, it's important to I suppose re- reiterate Tom Condon like the Irishness and the you know the that the, the GA does have that real great connection in a positive way with people yeah and look I suppose the headlines all week have been about uh, the brawls and, and whatever happened last week but look 
I know it, it, it was trial by uh, media and uh, social media and stuff like that. And look, we're, we're all uh, capable of, lo- of losing the plot sometimes, like uh, some more so than others. And look, it's just a ru- it was a rush of blood to the head and stuff like that. And look, what happened happened, and I just I just felt very sorry for him. And look, he's he's getting his punishment now, and it should be left at that and move on. And as you say, it's just like the G the G and the games are just brilliant, like just advertisement for Ireland in general, like and like the amount of uh, people overseas and stuff like that that see the game and they're astounded by the, like just the way these lads are built and their endurance and stuff like they're athletes and they can't get over like that. These lads aren't fully paid like for this, for what they do, like and calling a spade a spade, like these lads should like, they're like any professional athlete in the world, like and I say they're just a great advertisement for us, like, and it's just great that we have all, like, so many, as Colin was saying, of these good hurlers and stuff like that at the moment, and we're witnessing what they're able to do, like, and mm-hmm. skill levels and stuff like that has just gone through the roof in the last couple of years, and even since I was there a couple of years ago, like, the game has evolved more, and it just makes for a greater spectacle, spectacle, like, and it's just, I just think it's it's just unreal, like. So Ryan Kilkenny. Um, I think we know where we're going to get. I remember even like back the, when you were beating them in 2011, 2013, there is a kind of canny way, isn't there? It's the intensity, intensity the frosty. Yeah. They play probably the most traditional style possibly of the current crop. Yeah, and they, they play on the edge. You know what you're going to get with Kilkenny. They, they play on the edge every time. Like they're, if they don't get you on the way in, they'll get you on the way out. It's it's that kind of way. But they, they, they push it to the limit each time. And we'll say... Earlier on, or two weeks ago, I would say, after the, the quarterfinal and you knew the draw, I really fancied Clare. The closer it's getting to the game, I'm, and especially after the team was named, I'm thinking, oh, jeez, like, I think Kilkenny could, could pull this off. Because, like, look, they don't have the, the star names, the marquee names like they did 10, 15 years ago. But there's lads there that are absolutely solid. Like, you see uh, Mickey Butler, cornerback. Like, I, I would just see him as an absolute nightmare. Um, to play against and, and Hugh Lawler has been there the last couple of years like there's a few there like there's no murky hurler that you'd say, apart from TJ Reid uh, that yeah he can score 10-12 points or whatever but there's no other lad there that, that stands out as being the, the murky player but they're just all solid hurlers that, that, that work together as a team and just they, they like you know that when you play them you're going to be in a fight um, it, it's going to be a cracking game there's a few key matchups now that I, I think are going to be so important like Parag Welsh centre forward um, against John Conlon what way is that going to work out like is he going to where is he going to drag him is he going to sit toe to toe with him and battle it out or is he going to move around is John going to follow him um, Adrian Mullen and David Fitzgerald as well uh, that's going to be a key one that you just don't know what's going to happen and also TJ TJ Reid is wing forward is he going to stay wing forward is he going to be in the full forward line at some stage is someone going to man mark him or are they just going to ma- going to hold their positions and let him wander around you can't really do that with TJ Reid you know you have to mark him so it's going to be interesting the matchups um, and look Brian Lone we saw the last day that he has no problem wielding Dax as well uh, with all the, the controversy are the two lads going to play and then Rory Hayes uh, being whipped off after after it was 15 20 minutes 
Yeah, he left. It was eight minutes. Eight, it was, it was, it was eight minutes. Yeah. Like he has no problem wielding the axe there for the good of the team. Um, do you play? Uh, do you play these big lads in the full forward line? Do you go for the clerical back line if you're Kilkenny today? Um, well, you, you look the every single time Kilkenny line out, they they pick something. In the, in the opposition that's a weakness that they, they can exploit you saw there uh, was it um, Kilkenny played tip I think was it 09 the 09 final or the, could have been 08 they played him no it was 09 and uh, Henry Shefflin went in on John O'Keefe and the the height there was a height difference straight away but every ball was landing in there so they exploited that and they, they'll, they'll, they'll look at right we have big men in our full where we, we can have big men in our full far line TJ can win any ball in the full far line if it's coming in high do we put him in in the full far line and put him on Rory Hayes where there's a height difference and, and, and TJ look he's one of the strongest in there in, in the country um, so it's going to be interesting the, the tactics and the matchups I think the the Matchups. Who's going to pick up who? I think that's going to be the the highlight for me, um, and that's going to be the the win of the game. So for Clare, uh, what I think when I look at the Clare squad is the strength and depth. Actually, uh, Colin, like Aaron Channer is a dangerous player. You've got players that come off the bench like Mark Rogers, Shane Meehan. Um, do you feel that if you can weather the storm that you might have the finishers as they say in that, that word in rugby yeah it's the one thing when when, when I had when, when this draw came out or when we knew we were playing Kilkenny or whatever it was the one thing I felt we had the upper hand on was I thought we had like uh, more scorers than what Kilkenny have you know in this current crop you know TJ is not having a brilliant year and not to say he's you know he's still he's still so effective and like you know I hope I don't jinx it and he goes out and scores 3-3 three, three or something today but um, um, like Adrian Mullen is scoring a lot from midfield you know that's going to be a key battle you know can we keep him down Paddy Deegan scored two points from play um, in, in the Leinster final you know so can can he be kept going back the other direction you know and take some of their scoring thread out of it um, but I definitely think Clare have probably you know a bigger scoring threat, a bigger balance of scores across the team. And I'm hoping that, you know, if we're in it with 10 minutes to go, that, you know, the likes of a Shane Meehan, Mark Rogers, you know, can come on. The game has opened up and, you know, they've seen Aaron Shanahan, they've seen that they chip in with 1-4, I think it was, from from play in the in the Wexford game, you know, in 10 minutes. So, like, the, the matchups are going to be key, but Clare are going to have to... Uh, you know, make sure that the house is is minded, you know, early because you know this Kenny team is going to go at you, you know, early. It's going to be intense, but I'm actually glad it happened towards the end of the Wexford game because now you know it has been well warned. I'm sure Brian has been talking about it in training. You know, there's probably been high balls coming in on top of Connor Cleary, and uh, you know, and it is probably one of the things that. You know, I know Brian has been, uh, you know, he has shown that he's rootless and taken off Rory Hayes, but is Keane Nolan stronger in the air than Rory Hayes? So, like, you know, these are things you just don't know what will happen or, or what Brian will be thinking about with his selection, you know, issues and, and how things are going to work out. Uh, I'd be very surprised if all four teams started the way they've been named, yeah. you know, this weekend. There's just that little bit of, is Keane Lynch going to, you know, play for Limerick? Is, you did, know, is the Shane O'Donnell in 13, did you know, when did you find out? Uh, 
we found out actually on the on the bus over from we used to go to St Pat's um, in Drumcondra and like obviously the team was named Derek knew earlier you know obviously he was you know he kept his powder dry you know <laughs> which was which, which is uh, which is fair play to him listen you know you do these things for the team you know it isn't always nice um, you know and Derek was was a phenomenal teammate and stuff like that but it, you know it is always hard but it was it was over in St Pat's we used to go for the meal over there and uh, Fitzy just said listen like you know Shane is going to start here you know and that's and I think that's when Shane found out as well I think ironically enough you know but it obviously worked yeah <laughs> Does it in any way so in any way it doesn't really disrupt the players around you, you just adjust? Uh I, I think uh, Gerard McInerney not starting for Galway is far different. You know, a corner forward who's in form in training, you know, just slotting in and kind of going, oh, yeah, he's okay. But like, if one of your midfielders or your centre forward or your centre back or full back or somebody who you're going to create a game plan around changes, um, then that's where you really have to plan for it a bit earlier, you know, than something like that. I think that time, I think, you know, Fitzy could get away with it because it was like for like, it was a bit of flair for a bit of flair, mm. you know, uh, a corner forward. But it, if your game plan, revolves like if Declan Hannon isn't to play for Limerick tomorrow you know you have to have talked about that you know you can't just do that on, on the drop of a hat you know because it changes your dynamic yeah, of who's communicating with one another and stuff like that and there's certain there's key positions like your full back your centre back and probably your, your centre forward they're three key, they're three key positions that you can't just make a change on the day that's something that you have to plan around and say well look if if Garold McInerney goes down if he can't play what do we do what's our plan B um, you were talking about the Clare and the bench that they have and the, the depth that they have and the scores but you look at who Kilkenny have as well like they have Walter Walsh to come on Killian Buckley uh, Richie Hogan's back back in it uh, Connor Delaney like there's serious depth there as well and they're good hurlers but they, they have experience as well so they can they, they it won't take them time to get into the game they can come on and make a difference straight away they've been in this position before so I, I'm looking forward to tonight's game more so than tomorrow's game uh, because I think tonight's game can go either way Yeah um, so We're speaking to Ryan O'Dwyer uh, Colin Ryan and Tom Condon on the Saturday panel about the hurling semi-finals 53106 we've got a question for the panel about anything or if you're on the road as a passenger obviously if you're on the way from uh, Kilkenny and uh, Clare it gives a shout out on 53106 Tom how do you assess Kilkenny and Clare? Yeah look going, going on by paper and by the teams named I, I would fancy um, Clare but that's that's play straight into Kilkenny's hands like because Kilkenny just love if you write them off like and look I suppose it happened to us in 2019 like everyone was talking about oh I should, should look Limerick are going to beat Kilkenny and stuff like that and they came out that day and they absolutely savaged us in the first 30-35 minutes and that's what this Kilkenny team can do um, as as Colin was saying there they mightn't have the, the finishers that Clare have but there's no doubt that Brian Cody will the last couple of weeks have, will have this driven into them like about just working, working, working as hard as they can. Like in, in 2019, their what we call it, their intensity index like was through the roof. It was freakish. You'd never again see anything like it. Is it can you measure that, Tom? Can you measure that? Yeah, look, it's it's certain parameters like how many tackles a minute that the, the, the opposition has the ball in their possession. So like you're able to work out some kind of uh, factor there and like what Kilkenny did that day, like they ab- absolutely blew us off the field. And by the time we tried to recuperate, it was it, we ran out of the road. Like it was just the, the game had gone away from us. And that that's the one worry that <clears throat> I suppose Clare will have or Brian Lowen will have like that is if Kilkenny 
bring that aggression and that intensity like that. So it, it could rattle Clare. Wexford maybe had had that and they just ran out of steam. But I, I, I would still fancy Clare to have enough hurling to pull through. And look, as I say, it, Tony Kelly is, is on farm and stuff like that. And like the thing about Tony Kelly, as Colin was saying earlier, like um, what what's sets him apart like as well is his work rate is just absolutely phenomenal and like people might think Tony Kelly's having a quiet game because he's only gotten a couple of points but if you're actually watching Tony what he does off the ball his work rate his hooking his chasing back his positioning like it's 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 just unreal to watch like and it's a joy to watch and especially like looking in from another county like it's it's just it must be a pleasure to have played with him and to train with and to watch him in training like because more often than not is in training that they're doing probably this and more you know like so look I, I just think that um, his work rate and, and stuff like that just sets him apart to any other player and um, so like it, I, that'll be I suppose Brian Cody will have will do the man mark him I don't know it, it's it's an awful conundrum like because if you give him the freedom of the park he's going to do damage and um, if you send a fella with him you're going, you're going to create space inside and that's what Claire will want as well like and look I say I think if if Clare are there thereabouts with fifteen minutes to go, I think that they'll that they'll gradually pull away and, and, and out outscore Kilkenny. Okay, gotta take a break. Tom Condon, Ryan O'Dwyer and Colin Ryan on the Saturday panel previewing the hurling semi-finals. We're back after this. And we're welcome back to the Off the Ball Saturday panel here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five, previewing the All Ireland Senior Hurling Semi Finals of the former All Ireland winner with Claire Cotton Ryan, Limerick's ex All Ireland winner Tom Condon, who's on the line, and the former Dublin and Tipperary star Ryan O'Dwyer. Kilkenny's Paul Murphy will be joining us from Croke Park a little later on. We're covered, there's no bias here. All four counties covered for the semi finals. Um, the occasion, a lot of these Clare players have never played at Croke Park. Colin, is that an issue in any way? Is there any butterflies, or is it just another stadium? Um, yeah, like I think probably the the, the, the main players uh, have played there you know and had a lot of success there I suppose there's some of the younger ones maybe you know, Paul Flanagan has obviously been there a lot but probably hasn't played there you know which is quite unusual um, but no I, I I think there's there's always been a thing in Clare where like you're nearly unleashed when you get to Crow Park that it was never felt like a burden it was never felt like you know this is a stadium we can't perform in you know and I and, and I don't know what, where that came from it was probably you know when Clare got there in 95 and 97 that they always performed and kind of and brought that you know intensity to the game and and I suppose you know it just kind of continued now I know we had a couple of of poor results there we won against Dublin in a league game there um, you know and a qualifier you know or sorry in a qualifier we lost to Dublin there but it was always somewhere where you know we felt like we could perform and clear people feel like that you know it's a monkey off your back when you get there and it's nearly as if like you know okay now just you know no hesitation here because if you hesitate in Crow Park you know, you'll be left behind and you'll have so many regrets after it. And that's kind of always what was kind of put into us that like, here's your stadium now, just you know, your stage, just go and, go and do it, you know, and, and enjoy it. And, and I think that's what Claire have really bought into, I think, down <coughs> through the years. I hope you've no regrets now, Ryan. I hope you're okay now, nine years later. Uh, everything is no, all right now. Look, a week doesn't go by where I don't think about it. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I have regrets in from Crow Park, but like, I've had some great times in Crow Park as well. Like, I, I think, and especially people that haven't played there before, I think the first time you, you get to play in Crow Park, you don't let the event or let the the venue take hold or, or, or distract you. You, you. you relish it and you say, oh, geez, I, I bust my backside to get here. You know, now I'm just going to show you what I can do. Um, and look, I look the, the people that are over these teams, the four teams, 
they've been there they've done it all whether to uh, has been a player or a manager they've done it all so they're going to use that knowledge to to make the transition as seamless as possible um, and at the end of the day I suppose when I when I was on the field and anyway, outside the lines I, I never never came into my head at all so the first time ever I, I actually noticed a, a, a crowd ranting was about three or four minutes left in the league final in 2011 um, when Keeney scored a point from the sideline and I heard a big roar and I actually looked around and said Jesus some crowd here today and never before or after that did I notice a crowd um, may as well be playing down the, the Leahy Park in Cashel in front of 20 people it's, you know? it's true though like you know I suppose me being a free taker like you know in 2013 whatever like the Limerick semi-final there was I think there was nearly 70,000 there and then there was 82,000 for the other two I actually don't recall like a roar going up at any stage you know if I could actually I'd nearly need to watch it back you're just I think you're so in your head you know you live this every day of the week uh, as inter-county players yeah you live it every day of the week it's all you want to do is perform on the field I think the occasions don't really come into it until afterwards you think back and go that was a really good occasion but I think if, if you know they wouldn't these players wouldn't be who they are if, they, if they're worrying you know about letting occasions get to them you know Tom, if the occasion does get to them they're, they're going to falter yeah. Joe, so it's yeah. simple as. Tom, when you caught that ball, did you hear the crowd in 2018? No, jeez, <laughs> when when I came on, like it was, I always remember, it, you just couldn't hear anything. There was just a, a constant drone or a buzz in your ear, so like you actually could not hear a thing on the pitch. The I remember the the volume was just crazy, and all, all, all I just remember all I could see was just the <laughs> players flying everywhere, just tackles and then the ball just flying over it was just you, you couldn't hear anything and as I say uh, the only thing I knew was that it was the last puck of the game uh, and it had to go over or that was it like so until the, I heard the jaw I just got the ball and ran and uh, heard the whistle then you kind of have a chance to soak it in but as, as Ryan was saying like it never uh, crowds and stuff like that it never came into my head when I was playing like anytime you go out onto the pitch once you started your warm up you kind of switched on and you kind of just forgot about what was going on around you and you just concentrated on the game. And that's the thing about it, you have to be concentrated on the game and what's going on and what your job is. And when you are, it's it's irrelevant what, what, what happens around you outside the lines. Like, you just don't take any notice. And as, as, as Colin was, was saying then as well, like, they, these players are well tuned into that. Like, they've, they've had so many psych sessions and stuff like that and they would have worked and some different scenarios and stuff like that. And they, like, in, I remember in 2018, we, we used to train with actual speakers on with crowd noises in the background to get used to right. in, in in front of big crowds and stuff like that now I'll probably be killed for t- telling me that like, but uh, we, Tell we, more. Like, there was one or two <laughs> one or two train sessions that there was loudspeakers played with just the crowd noise just to get us used to that kind of drone or whatever like that so the boys are they're well uh, prepared for this and as, as, as Les was saying like they wouldn't be there unless they were tuned in and they are prepared uh, to play in front of crowds like that and uh, look once you cross the white line all all you're concentrating on is the ball and what's going on around you and your, and your job I think the one the one shock to, to new players playing there will be actually how they actually can't hear their own players 
you know yeah. that is that is one of the things you know that you it's very hard to communicate you know or, or to, to talk to a wing back you know even if they're only 30 yards from you because of the crowd noise just kind of filtering around the stadium all the time you know it was something that we kind of had to get used to at the start you really need to trust your team and, and have a lot of unity there and now that you can't really get a message on you know unless you're a medic really at this stage it is hard to change things up yeah. if, if you know yeah. if things aren't going your way yeah I think that for me like I, I said I was involved with down this year the biggest issue for me was you weren't allowed runners anymore you weren't allowed cross the line even to give water they have to come out to the sideline so to get a message like if you wanted to or you go out to wing back or whatever trying to get that message in it could take five ten minutes to get to, to get the, the change right and during that time there could be three or four things done that, that could cost you the game let's make a case if we can for Galway can you tomorrow Oh, um, I, I heard Skell try to argue a case. <laughs> I don't know. You're uh, hurting Paul, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I, I you know what? Like, Skell trained us a small bit in the market, so I kind of, uh, you know, I have a good connection with, with James. Like, but like, I, I even think in, in James, in all his, in all his uh, uh, ignorance and trying to fight for something, I don't think he could even come up with uh, <laughs> a, a logical argument uh, to go against it. I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I don't think they have enough scoring prowess to score 30 points that they're going to need you know to, to beat this Limerick team um, and I don't think they have enough backs to be able to man mark you know or match up uh, Limerick's forwards um, it's just it's one of these things I actually thought Cork might have been a better match for you know an All-Ireland semi-final and how they how they match up against Limerick but it's Henry's first time coming up against Limerick it's probably the only time I can the only thing I can really say that you just don't know what he's going to do you know or how he's going to prepare this team to, to go at them but it's going to be they're going to have to improve massively I think from what they did in the, the Leinster final to even you know keep themselves within 10 points of Limerick We'll play the tape for Scatland and get him to give you our rebuttal um, <laughs> the, the thing about Limerick for me is Tom there's so many options there's so many options with Limerick whether Keane Lynch plays or not um, there's somebody always able to step up whether it was Barry Nash the last day or whether it's Seamus Flanagan or another day might be Carl Hayes another day might be Aaron Galan something must give you a huge amount of confidence Yeah and like the beauty about like Keen suffering that injury and any other year going back eight, nine years ago, like you they'd be trying to get Keen Lynch back on the field as quickly as you can. But like John came out and was able to nip that straight away straight away and say, Let's Keen won't be involved until the latter end of the stages if we get there. Um he suffered the injury and we're we're gonna move on. And that's always been John's kind of mantra is it's next men up. So like as I say, it's just it's wonderful to see like that there's such strength and depth in the Limerick panel. Like and see competition is just is, is through the roof in training and stuff like that. You could have you could have twenty six fellas absolutely hopping in training and you wouldn't know what the team might be the next day, like you know, and, and training the intensity and stuff like that was always through the roof and like it just gives John a headache and it, it it's that's what's driving this team forward the whole time as well, is just the standards and stuff like that. And look, it's great that they're it if there is a couple of fellas not performing and stuff like that, that there is other guys on the team that can step up and it could be anyone on any day. And look, you just couldn't single out anyone at the moment. Like, but they're, they're all having a, a fairly solid um, season so far. And you could even notice that in that picture after the Munster final with uh, Nicky Quaid and the th- fullback line and Dermot Burns, that the conditioning was off the scale and obviously they're competitive not only on the pitch, but on the gym, in the gym as well. Yeah, the, the yeah. condition of them was unreal. 
Uh, they've set themselves though massive standards I think like you know like I know like I know Joe Connor and Tom Tom will know Joe like Joe was involved with us with Clare and I was actually very very you know down when Joe left the Clare setup you know because I he, he's conditioning or he, the way he talked to players and how he was positive with them he got everybody rowing in in the gym you know and uh, and how they were able to do the running and stuff like that so like he set massive standards in Nimerick but then they have to be driven internally and obviously you know Joe is long gone now but like they're still obviously trying to to fight for one another. But they, like I suppose Uvira is like you know you you've Claire bringing physicality in the nineties. You've Kilkenny bringing physicality and you know raw aggression. You've you've Cork playing a running game. This Limerick team has created you know their own era of of how to play the game. But their conditioning and level of fitness and level of hurling ability is unmatched. You know to to what we've had previously. It's up to everybody else to to catch up with them. So is it Galway 15 on 15? Is it get in your faces? What, what is, like Henry will be saying something. He'll be trying to G them up because on the form book, you have to say that Cork wastes a lot of chances and Galway are going to have to find something to Yeah, work. look, I, I've been in Galway a lot over the last two weeks and even the Galway people, they're saying, oh, look, they have no hope against Limerick. So what, what you would hope is that the players don't be listening to the external noise. They, they keep it in-house they have to have a belief in themselves yeah they're going up against possibly one of the best teams of all time but you know what at the end of the day it's 15 against 15 you asked are they going to go straight on 15 against 15 man, man on man I, I think a lot depends on Gerard McInerney um, if he plays um, I know you said there, there could be a few changes but he's named to start if he if he starts well then in the forwards you, you still have uh, Conor Cooney which is a physical threat in the forwards a target man in the forwards if Garrod McInerney's gone Conor Cooney's back centre back well you'd imagine he Joseph could be back Cooney. or sorry Joseph, Joseph Cooney back centre back that's going to be a massive loss in the forwards are they going to possibly bring to, to so that they don't lose that in the forwards would they bring uh, Johnny Cohn on and put him centre back I know he's small and wouldn't usually play centre back but would you just go man marking Kyle Hayes or Keane Lynch depending on who's on so yeah it, it's going to be interesting I think it all it all depends on what Garrod McInerney how his fitness is and whether he's going to start or not Would anybody worry you in that Galway team Tom? Yeah look uh, everyone seems to be writing off Galway like, but like, over the last couple of years people would all have been said that Galway were the one team that would match Limerick physically and stuff like that and uh, uh, I know that they're down Joe and Joe Canning this year and stuff like that but I, I still think it's going to be a lot closer than people think like um, if they bring the physicality that they're capable of bringing and look as, as Ryan was saying it all depends on whether Grove McInerney starting and stuff because Joseph Cooney up in the forwards has been going very well um, I, I personally I think that they'll probably play a two men for forward line and they'll drop out Carl Mannion and they'll probably go maybe they'll try and crowd out um, around the middle third Um but like the last day against Cork, Galway got an awful lot of scores from 30, 40 yard pass to their own the middle of the field and got a lot of a lot of long range scores. Like so, that's one thing I suppose John Kiley would be kind of looking to clamp down and look. They'll probably might um, single someone out to Menmar, Connor Whelan inside and try, and try and keep him as quiet as he can because I think he's he's their their danger man. They can get enough ball into him and get him isolated one on one. Then he can do damage like he's well well capable of coming out with one or two goals and, and, and three or four points like but um again it's just can can they bring the physicality and outwork Limerick and any team that does that can do that, they'll have a good chance of beating Limerick. 
53106 Hi John is a tip man living in Limerick just naming the Limerick half forward line is frightening that's not even talking about their scoring prowess serious outfit says Bobby thank you for your text 53106 just a quick one Ryan Owen O'Donnell was lining out for the footballers in Dublin he might have a decision to make next year now yeah, look, I've no doubt that the footballers want to hold on to him next year. But I, I no, I haven't been talking to him or anything. I, I sent him a message saying best luck. Um, so I, I don't know what his thought process is. But I've no doubt next year he's going to be a Dublin hurler. Um, might he try the dual status? I think that the dual player is gone. Um, but if Dublin hurlers have another year like this year where the, the championship finishes early... I, I can see him switching over to the football again but uh, I think at the start of next year he's going to be a, a Dublin hurler It's verdict's time Colin uh, like there's so much at stake here an All-Ireland final appearance for Clare you know when you think about it in, that, in those terms Yeah definitely and like you know the lift it would give everybody around the place especially with the minors going so well this year um, I I like I I still think like my heart says Clare but I actually think my head if they can bring the intensity you know, if they're off the pace like Wexford, Kilkenny are going to eat them alive. But if they bring the intensity to what they've brought in the Munster Championship, I think we might just have enough scoring ability to get us over the line. Ryan, call the Kilkenny Clare game. Um, it's so hard. A draw. No, it, possibly, possibly. I certainly wouldn't it's rule it out. out. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't rule it out. Um, if you'd asked me this question last week or two weeks ago, I'd have said Clare by a couple of points. I'm not so sure now. Um. I wouldn't rule out a draw. Um, I. It would be very interesting to see can Clare reach the heights that they did in a, in the in the Munster final because they they played to one hundred percent that day to hit those heights again. It's going to be very very hard, um, and they they'll have to do that for for the game today. And Tom, how do you call very briefly uh, Clare and Kilkenny? Yeah, look again. What as we're saying there, if if, if Clare have enough to. Kilkenny, I, I can see them just outworking them and stuff like that. And if Owen Cody has one of those days, he's well capable of putting up a big score. So look, I I know I was kind of saying Clare have more scores, but I I go Kilkenny by one or two. And Limerick obviously tomorrow, Tom. You can't go against your own county, so. No, yeah, I'd be saying Limerick by about four or five points tomorrow. Brian, <laughs> tomorrow. I reckon Limerick by about six or seven. I, I, I'd nearly go more I <laughs> I just think this Limerick team is relentless um, you know I, I I think Galway would be very lucky if they stay within 10 points Tom Condon enjoy tomorrow thanks very much Tom Condon and Ryan O'Dwyer and Colin Ryan thanks for coming in mm-hmm. thanks Ryan up Cheers the banner yeah, is all I can yeah. say yeah 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 as my dad is from Clare and we're going to you know not have a biased show because Paul Murphy will be on between 4 and 5 we'll get him to say up the cats from Croke Park so Colin Ryan Ryan O'Dwyer Tom Condon looking ahead to the Hurling semi-finals thanks so much for your time on the Saturday panel at 3 o'clock this afternoon between 4 and 5 we're going to check in with the golf at Mount Juliet and also get all the latest from Paul Murphy as we build up to Kilkenny and Clare throwing at a half 5 off the ball Saturday on News Talk is back after this